And welcome to Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yu, joined by my co-host, Rira Yu. And this is our December 2016 mid-month episode where we bring you the latest in book news, new releases, and hot takes on the literary world. This episode, we're joined by Mr. Dan Rickmers. Hello. Who is a member of our book club. That's true. And, um... And was, I was here. Was here, yeah. We brought him in. <laughs> I was like, what are you guys doing? Report, podcast? Okay, sure. <laughs> he is our second backup. Yeah. Yeah. First choice. First choice. First every time. Every yeah. time. Dan is an independent video game developer. I make games. And an avid reader. And um, this month, in addition to talking about the book news, we'll be having a, a little chat about a certain British boy wizard. You're a wizard, Harry. Oh, uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, we're going to talk about Harry Potter. I will end you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and its effect on you know our culture since its inception almost like 20 years ago. Yeah. It's, it's been a while. I mean, it was first published in 98, I think. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so. But before we get to that, uh, let's go through the news of the Asian American literary world. Yeah. yeah. So let's start with new releases. So these are books that were either released earlier this month or are coming out in a few weeks. And first on our list is The Secret of a Heart Note by Stacey Lee, and it's published by Catherine Teagan Books. It was re- it's going to be released December 27th, 2016, and it's a contemporary fantasy about Mimosa, a 16-year-old aroma expert who uses her extra sensitive sense of smell to mix perfumes that that help others fall in love while protecting her own heart at all costs. But when she accidentally gives an elixir to the wrong woman and has to rely on the lovesick woman's son, who happens to be a soccer player, a soccer star, to help fix the situation, Mim quickly, begin, Mim quickly begins to re- realize that falling in love isn't always a choice you can make. Um, for those of you who are into Asian American books, you probably recognize Stacey Lee. She's written under a painted sky. She's, uh, released quite a number of, um, of Asian American books. So yeah, check out her other books as well. That sounds Y-A-S-F. It is Y-A-S. Um, awesome. Also releasing this month is Ever the Hunted by Aaron Summerow, uh, published by Hewton Mifflin Harcourt Books for Young Readers. Here is the book description. 17-year-old Britta Flannery is at ease only in the woods with her dagger and bow. She spends her days tracking criminals alongside her father, a legendary bounty hunter. That is, until her father is murdered. The alleged killer is none other than her father's former apprentice, the only friend she's ever known. Now Brit must go on a dangerous quest in the world of warring kingdoms, mad kings, and dark magic to find the real killer. Yeah, like... That sounds like it's going to be a movie I'm in a year. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, it's some fun fantasy <laughs> the, stuff. Like, the cover looks beautiful, and, like, I just love YA fantasy full of betrayal. That sounds great. And murder. What else is releasing this month? Uh, next on our list is The Boy Who Escaped Paradise, a novel by J.M. Lee also known as Lee Chung-myung, who is a famous Korean author. The book is translated by Cheong Kim and published by Pegasus Books. 
The book releases on December 20th. Uh, the book description goes, An unidentified body of a former North Korean citizen is found in Queens, New York, with mysterious numbers etched in blood around the corpse. Kilmo, a mathematically gifted immigrant from North Korea, is arrested for the crime. He is unable to remember if he committed the murder or how he arrived at the crime scene. Angela, a CIA operative, is assigned to gain his trust and access his unique thought process by posing as Kilmo's attending nurse. Sorry, I had to say Kilmo like as in, with a Korean accent because it just sounds weird if I say Kilmo because it sounds like Gizmo, sort of. It sounds more like uh, Guillermo, like Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, like, if you say of? it that way. But that's cool. I think we need yeah. like max authenticity for all of our all descriptions, of our descriptions. <laughs> because we are probably the center bearers for authenticity. Yeah, think, in of, all of, think of all of the world. podcasts who probably mispronounced the yeah. character's name. We add that extra. I, can, I can't really do that like sound. <laughs> it's really hard for me because I'm Chinese. Oh, so we don't yeah, really like do how that. you say doll instead of toy. No, I do that on purpose to mess with people. Okay. As long as, long as it's on purpose. Yeah. Not like... I do it for comedy. It sounds cool though, like a mystery story. Like I'm, I'm all out. You know. That's like, Jason, like North Korean Jason Bourne, right? Is, is that, sounds, I'm getting vibes from that, but I don't it sounds know. so good. Like, <laughs> well, I really I mean, want to read it. That's cool. Yeah, Jason Bourne novels are good. Yeah, I mean, and some of the movies. I love like murder mysteries. They're always like so much fun to read. Yeah. So. Next up is a is a book that was released earlier this month on um, December 13, 2016. It's Lotus and Feather by Ji Li Jang, um, author of the memoir Red Scarf Girl, illustrated by Julie Downing and published by Disney Hyperion. Um, it's a picture book that tells the story of Lotus, a little girl without a voice who cares for an injured crane named Feather. One day, Feather foretells the danger of a flood and Lotus and her grandmother alert the villagers. The two friends suddenly become the village heroes, but Lotus knows that she will have to let Feather go to migrate with the rest of the cranes. So it's a, picture, nice. it's a picture book. It's um, for ages three and up. It's about 40 pages. It's like that episode of Pokemon where Ash has to let his Butterfree go. Actually, interesting thing about, uh, about that picture book, it's inspired by a true story about a crane that actually did uh, alert a village about a um, about an oncoming flood. So that's pretty interesting. That's sweet. Yeah. Can't wait to read that to my imaginary kids. I mean, it's a good Christmas present. I mean, <laughs> is it coming out? Yeah, it's coming it's out. out. Yeah, it yeah, came out last came week. Out. So, um, I would think you would read an imaginary book to your imaginary kids. Wouldn't they like it better? They'd relate to it more. Okay, next you on our list there. is uh, Show Me a Mountain by Carrie Young. And... It's published by Bloomsbury Circus. It released earlier this month, and it's about Fei Wang, a woman caught between worlds. Her father is a Chinese immigrant who conjured a fortune out of nothing, and her mother is of African heritage who grew up on a plantation and now reigns over a mansion in Jamaica. So it's a historical fiction novel, and... I don't know. Like, I haven't really heard much about it. I literally just found out that this came out earlier this month, uh, like 10 minutes ago. So. Oh, yeah, that was a late edition. It <laughs> was a late edition. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. And last on our new releases list. Last but not least is The Flying Lessons and Other Stories, edited by Ellen O, uh, published by Crown Books for Young Readers, uh, releasing early January, January 3rd, 2017. 
Whether it's basketball dreams, family fiascos, first crushes, or new neighborhoods, this bold anthology, written by the best children's authors, celebrates the uniqueness and universality in all of us. The anthology is published in partnership with We Need Diverse Books and features authors Kwame Alexander, Saman Chantiani, uh, Matt De La Pena, Tim Federley, Grace Lynn, Meg Medina, Walter Dean Myers, Tim Tingle, Jacqueline Woodson, and Kelly J. Baptist. Wow, you gave me the really hard one I'm with all the so names. The name minefield. <laughs> it's an anthology. Um, yeah, written by I know the um we need diverse books is a hashtag that we've been um really yeah, using a, a lot movement. too. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, Ellen O is the author of Prophecy, if you guys don't know her, but she's one of the co founders of We Need Diverse Books. Awesome. Yeah. And those are our new releases for December and early January 2016, 2017. hmm You know, it's crazy how many books are just being released by Asian American authors every month. Yeah, like yeah. every month I, I always dread this task of digging up books by Asian American authors because I'm like, is there going to be enough? But surprisingly, yeah. there's a lot every month. I would think it would be hard to read them all if that fewer. I'm pretty sure I like missed some. So if I if there's a book that you know that's written by an Asian American author that came out earlier this month, please let us know. Yeah, put it up in our Goodreads forums. Um, Books and Boba has a group page on Goodreads, and that's the easiest way to get a hold of us as well. Yeah. Awesome. Next up is um, the news. Yeah. yeah, news and book deals. Also, we need music. We had a theme song last <laughs> time, <laughs> right? <laughs> Live from Pasadena. No. <laughs> like, Why don't you start us off? Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> um, okay, so first in our book news, um, Simon & Schuster bought the North American rights for Charlene Teo's debut novel, Pointy, or Ponty. I think it's Pointy. It's P-O-N-T-I. Uh, Teo won the Deborah Rogers Writers Award for her unpublished manuscript earlier the earlier in the spring, and the story follows the friendship between two girls growing up in sultry, sweaty Singapore. The novel is tentatively slated for 2018. Congratulations. And yeah, the author is Singaporean. McElderry Books has also acquired world rights to Clever Little Witch, a picture book written by Moan Van and illustrated by Hyewon Yum. Hyewon. Hyewon. Got it. We at Books and Boba, 100% authenticity here. <laughs> Um, about a witch who comes up with innovative ways to get rid of her baby brother, only to realize she's drastically underestimated him and her appreciation for him. Publication is set for summer 2019. That sounds cute. Yeah, good for young readers out there. Uh, and earlier this month, Good Girls Marry Doctors, South Asian American Daughters on Obedience and Rebellion. Uh, it's an anthology, and the contributors did a reading and book signing at the last bookstore in downtown LA earlier this month. Um, and as you can guess from the title, it is an anthology that examines the multiple facets of daughterhood in South Asian American families. So, yeah, there's a couple of pretty cool uh, South Asian writers and Muslim writers included in the anthology. So check it out. That book already came out. Yeah, our friend and um, fellow potluck podcaster, um, Taz Ahmed, is one of the curators, right? Yep. One of the contributors. So contributors. Con- congrats to everyone on that. And definitely something you want to read in this day and age to kind of, you know, put yourself in other people's shoes. Yeah. Especially those of... Uh, Let's not talk yeah. of dark times. <laughs> Uh, we Need Diverse Books, um, the aforementioned movement, 
is launching their curated books app, Our Story, in January 2017. The app will use a database of more than 1,200 books reflecting diverse characters and themes that librarians, educators, parents, and children can search for reading recommendations. The app has two versions, one for parents, teens, and children who are looking for diverse books, while the other helps librarians and teachers on their search to find diverse books appropriate for their classrooms or patrons. How do we get on that? I feel like we should be a part of that. <laughs> Hit us up. <laughs> I think our, yeah, our, our podcast should be part of that curriculum, right? Yeah, speaking of uh, joining, um, so we were part of a live chat earlier this week. Yeah. Yeah, I was asleep during it, but you participated <laughs> on behalf of Books and Boba. So Yeah, on behalf of Books and Boba, um, Fresh Creatives, Clubcast, and the Potluck Podcast Network that we're a part of, um, there was a, I guess, a live Twitter Q&A. Uh, sponsored by one of the hosts of um, the No Totally podcast, and it's hashtag support PLC pods. And it was a live Q&A, just an open invite to people to answer questions and talk about independent podcasting. And I mean, in, in all media, we need more diverse voices because, you know, the world is becoming more and more multicultural, especially, you know, our country. And it's important to create content and media that reflects that. Yeah, and it's also really important um, to, like, have crossovers, to have, like, an intersectionality. Because, um, I mean, like, at least for our book club, I really don't want it to just be like, oh, you're not Asian, you can't join us. Because (laughs) uh, I don't want that. I want, like, people who are just, you know, open-minded and, like, you know, who want to read diverse stories to join. And hence, Dan. (laughs) That's why I'm here. Yeah, and... Definitely, it's as important as it is to see our our own stories reflected in the media. It's also important to see how other people react to it, you know, yeah, yeah. and to bring the open mind because it's 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 easy it's it's easy like we talk a lot about bubbles, right? It's easy to be in this bubble of our own stories, but it's equally important to see how our stories affect other people, how it opens you know avenues and channels for empathy, and you know for us to also be broadened what we read too you know um rira is a part of like at least what 10 book clubs no just like two (laughs) well i was part of like three but then like uh actually i'm gonna connect this i'm gonna segue this i can do this um (laughs) uh but like the other book club i was like like i joined it when i was in college and i didn't know any of the people there i joined because i wanted to meet new people who were really into books and for their first book that they picked it was it was like the third book in a series and <laughs> I had never heard of the series before and I and I don't remember it, but I remember asking like, oh, is this like standalone? Like, can you still read it without reading the other books? And they were like, um, I mean, you can technically, but like you should probably read the other two. And I'm like, then... And and I said, why why are we reading the third book then? We should Wait, read so the first. so this is the first book of this new book club? Yeah, and I feel like they're doing something wrong there. And and like I and, and then I found out like all of the other girls were like friends with each other and they had already read the other two books and mm. like you know I'm I'm like the odd one who was just like hey I don't know you guys but I want to like join your book club and it makes uh, it hard to kind of get in. Yeah, and then I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to leave because like <laughs> I like I can't deal with if for for future references this book club books and boba we're not going to read like like uh well we're going to read part middle. 3 only after we've read parts 1 and 2 so you can go back yes, and listen to Yes, we will discussion. we will at least start with the first book. 
work because I I really don't like that. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, and that's, you know, for those of you listening to our, or coming into our book club down the line, you'll you'll notice that Rira spends a lot of time thinking about our book choices. <laughs> like way more than I do. I just like, oh, what's next? Okay, cool. I have charts. <laughs> it's color-coded by oh, genre. It's going to, yeah, for reasons that will become apparent once we talk about our Pottermore sorting houses. Yeah. Um, and on that note, uh, let's move on to our discussion topic. So um, every month in our mid-month episode, uh, because we're not talking about our book yet, um, we want to just talk about broad or focused or... Yeah, like book culture, book yeah, life, book chat. Book chat. And sometimes it's not going to be like Asian American focus, but it's go- but it will have that Asian American perspective though, because yeah, you know Marvin and I, are <laughs> and we're kind of on separate ends of the um, book landscape. Whereas Rira has been reading for I don't think you've ever stopped, right? What do you mean stopped? <laughs> like stopped because I had a big lapse. Like before Heroin Complex, I hadn't read a like fiction novel and maybe. 10 or 12 years. Oh. So I'm kind of getting back into this um, mode of reading stuff for fun, but also for (laughs) this this thing that we do. Um, Where are you on that, Dan? I think I'm more aligned with you Mm. as opposed to Rira, because I know that she pretty much always has her nose in a book, which is a good thing. And it's something that I've always been, uh, I've always admired and I've Mm. always kind of wanted to be more like that. And I've just kind of picked up a book every once in a while, you know. It's been good. Uh, it's been good. I mean, I listen to audiobooks, but mostly for nonfiction. I feel like when I read fiction, I need the book. And not just like on my Kindle or whatever. I need like the book. Oh, uh, like you need the physical yeah. touch of like the pages and just like the smell of like <laughs> Maybe paper. not the smell. I love I mean, the real stinky book. the the <laughs> the the tactile feeling of progress when you flip a page. It's um, speaking of books, though, before we get to our, our main discussion, um, a quick reminder that um, this month, December 2016's book choice for Books and Boba is How to Survive in a Science Fiction. No, how to Live how to Safely l- in a Science Fictional Universe. Got it. By Charles Yu. Um, we'll be holding our live meetup for that book at the end of next week, which would be this coming Sunday in LA. Check out our Facebook page for more information. And we'll be releasing our podcast discussion um, before the new year. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who haven't finished the book yet and plan on coming to our meetup, um, read fast. Uh, the rest of you guys, you have until the end of the month. We're technically forever because it just goes up online, right? I can wait, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can no. wait. Also, uh, I'm really excited for the boba place that we're meeting at because, <laughs> like, it's a boba shop that has, like, this special drink where they put, like, a giant cotton candy into your boba drink. So I'm really excited about that. Anyway, moving yeah, on. Yeah, let's talk about this month. So this came about because, I guess, Harry Potter is back in the news with a new movie that just came out. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Although it seemed like they were dropping the and where to find them. Because when I went to go see it in theaters, like the... Well, it was set up like all the other Harry Potter titles where it's Harry Potter and then like the subtitle. But it was really small small though. Mm. I don't know. But I found out that Marvin has not read Harry Potter. So this came out in another podcast that I do. And I've seen most of the movies... I don't think I've seen Half-Blood Prince, but I've seen at least 
There's been there's seven books, right? Yes. So I've seen at least five of the movies. Half Blood Prince. I'd say that was the best book. What? Was it? No. Or am I thinking of the other one? Half Blood Prince is like the fifth book. Fifth book. Oh wait, what's the best? Oh no, no, that's not the fifth book. The it's sixth the penultimate book. one. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, that one. Mm, I'm thinking of the one with the Cedric. Tr- oh. Which one is that? That's the Goblet of Goblet Fire. Of Fire. Of Fire. Even that's I my know book. that. Yes. Yes. Because that one has Wizard Hunger Games in it. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's the best book. So like, why? I mean, Harry Potter is such like a big pop cultural thing. Um, why did you not get around to reading it? <laughs> no, I'm just I'm I'm not like throwing shade or anything. So this I'm is just like yeah. Curious. To be honest, it's because I think when Harry Potter started getting big is when I was in high school. Right, 1990. Okay. It started in 98, right? Yeah, but it didn't get big in America because it first came out in England first. Right. So, like, it didn't come become a big thing until 2000. So, this was past when I stopped, like, kind of paying attention to newer stories, I guess. Um, my generation, especially my, like, my class of people, I think we missed it. We missed the Harry Potter book by, like, maybe two, three years. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know definitely... People I knew from college that were two or three years younger than me were super into it. Like it was like their jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us, like you know, especially when the first couple books came out, it was like kids' stories. It's about kids. Oh yeah, it was. Right? It was like children's books. Yeah, so we didn't really have that thing where we grew up with them. Um, there were definitely people that I knew that were super into, like who were into reading that were really into it. And you know, there there are things about it that really, I mean, they they, they hook you, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a good serialized um, story. Um, it's very descriptive from what I understand. And they have built in like horoscopes. So you can say who you are, like the houses and stuff, right? So obviously mm-hmm. like no, I'm this. It's kind of like um like when I was a kid, uh Ninja Turtles were really huge. And we were we all had our Ninja Turtle. Everyone oh, wanted to be Michelangelo. Um and then so it's you take that and extrapolate into like a whole team. Right? What Ninja Turtle were you? There's always the aspirational one. And there's the the one you wish you were, and the one that you actually know you are. Mm-hmm. Like I'm probably more of a Donatello, even though I wanted to be more like Leonardo, mm, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's the same with like uh, the same with Potter. Like, um, you know, you take the Pottermore survey, which is like the official one, right? It's yeah, the, it's the official one, but I don't really believe that it does a very good <laughs> job of sorting people. I mean, I say live your truth. You can be whatever house you want to be in. Whatever house you feel you are. You don't have to let J.K. Rowling tell you what house you're in. I mean, here's the thing, though, right? Um, I want to be Ravenclaw because they're smart people. In the world of, like, in the world of what you want to be, you know, Ravenclaw, they're like the Batman. They're like the people who use their brains to solve crime. Whereas, like, the Gryffindors, which I got sorted in, are like the Supermen. They use, like, oh, let's be brave and shit, mm-hmm. right? And who wants to be that? That's kind of lame, right? Um, but in my heart of hearts, I know I really am more of a Gryffindor because like, even this podcast, like we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, Dan's like our second backup. And we was kind of trying to go through like, all right, where are backup plans? Let's do something. I'm like, let's just, let's just do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is a very like Gryffindor-ish yeah, trick, which is, which is just to like say, screw it. Let's just, <laughs> yeah. let's see what happens. Yeah. But, you know, I'm. I'm pretty much Ravenclaw <laughs> myself. Uh, I took the the Pottermore quiz, and it also said that. And then everything pretty much says uh, like, Rira, you said that you've had like number of quizzes that you've taken that I've like, taken kind of you. pretty much every single quiz on, mm-hmm. on every single sorting quiz on the internet because I like wanted to be sure. And 
I was sure because I've always gotten Ravenclaw. There was one quiz that was like 120 questions and I went through it and they sorted me into Ravenclaw and told me like what percentages of like other houses that my my uh, my brain kind of falls under. Um, But when I took the new Pottermore quiz, I got sorted into Slytherin and you would think that I would be really upset about this, but actually I was like extremely flattered because I was like, oh, Slytherins actually get things done. And I am not one of those people. <laughs> like I I am the person who like plans and plans and plans. And then uh, I kind of need like a push to actually like finish anything. So I was like, not a Slytherin. I don't know why you sorted me here, but I am flattered. So like I said, there's especially with personality quizzes in general, it's like how you take the quiz, right? And it becomes either this is something that you aspire to or this is something that you are, mm-hmm. right? And I think that, that comes out in the Harry Potter lore. See, even though I haven't read a lot of Harry Potter, I've dug deep into the Wikia. Oh, and my God. That, the Cliff's Notes. Inexcusable. <laughs> I, I think that books. a lot of it. So is, I know what hat stall means. That, that the school <laughs> element is a big part of why people really got into Harry Potter because you had. Um, these schools that, you know, like that, that had all these personalities and like, you know, it said that like that you belong in one of these four houses, no matter who you are. Right. Like no one ever didn't get sorted into one. So it it kind of allows you to kind of um, uh, connect to it and kind of feel like you're a part of it. So when you're reading the book, um, the things that happen to people in each school, you kind of feel like um, kinship with them, you know, kind of like you would if you really were into like a sports team, you know, um, whereas with the sports team, it's like kind of like your proximity. Like you're like, I live in New York, so I'm the New York, New Yorkers, you know? Yeah. Uh, th- that sports team. And, you know, and when you're in Ravenclaw, it's like, oh, when you see a Ravenclaw character do something smart, you're like, yeah, that's me. That's my team. We got those 10 points. But yeah, so yeah. So yeah. to answer your original question. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of more of a timing thing than anything else. I mean, watch the movie. I remember watching the second movie, The Chamber of Secrets, my first year in college. And it was like a college outing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, definitely I have, I have peers my age that were super into Harry Potter. Yeah. And those are usually the ones that didn't stop reading. So, by watching the movies and not reading the books, uh, do you feel like you've gotten like kind of everything out of the Harry Potter franchise? Or like, it, would there be some kind of impetus to go and read the book sometime? It's a lot of pages to read, to be honest. But it's fantasy. <laughs> like with with fantasy, you want those big books, you want those tomes because you want to be in another world for ten hours at least. I yeah. guess. I guess for me, it's the, the nostalgia doesn't come from the books; it comes from the movies. Mm-hmm. So if I want to relive the story of Harry Potter, I would just go back and watch the the movies again. I remember being really <laughs> mad when the movies came out because. Um, when I first started reading Harry Potter, I was 11. So I was the same age as uh, Harry in the first books. And, yeah, I, I was about the same age yeah, as well. And, um, you know, like the, the books are very descriptive. And I'm just, and I had pictured everything in my head. And then uh, when I saw the movie, I was just like, it, it did a very good job. But at the same time, um, they didn't get everything. So I was like, it's not the same. <laughs> It's like they, they like mainline the story and they kind of like leave out a lot of the parts that I liked, which was just kind of like hanging out at Hogwarts. Well, I mean, that's the thing, Hogwarts. though, when it comes to 
making a even the movies were like two three hours and even then they were yeah. ranging yeah. on long with lots of set like setup shots of the school being the school and um i think that was an issue i personally had with um fantastic beasts um the newest movie yeah because they all still spend a lot of time setting up the world um where i would have much rather them just be more focused on the story yeah you know? i i had the same thought like yeah. i thought like I was actually really disappointed by Fantastic Beasts and my expectations were pretty low. So, um, I mean, I I watched it with Dan and like you saw how upset I was when we walked out of the theater. Yeah. You were inconsolable. I I was. You didn't like, you didn't like it at all. I, I mean, I, I thought that it was filmed really well and I Mm. thought like the costuming was great and the visual effects was fantastic. But, um, but like story wise, I, it felt a little flimsy to me. There was like not enough plot for mm. me. And I guess like, it, it's interesting that you said like, Oh, they do a lot of setup for world building because I thought they didn't do enough world building for magical America. And well, yeah, what I meant was they did a lot of like, look at all the magic stuff going on this building. Yeah. Right? yeah. Look at this, mm-hmm. like then expand and turn into like something crazy. It but was... I do agree that like, I wish the narrative, like the world building aspect of that was more purposeful yeah like we we actually had a conversation with our writer friends who went to go see the movie with us and um uh two main points uh from fantastic beasts came up one was uh diversity and like Mm -hmm. racial Mm. erasure and (laughs) and then the second one was just like um like the world just the world i mean I, i get that i guess how much of that is the fact that this is the first like original work to come out. Oh yeah. And it d- didn't fit with your like head canon. Yeah. And cuz I-, I know a lot of people have this issue also with um cursed child, but that one was more it's it's like cursed based on child. The characters. Yeah, yeah, like you have like the main characters from the books whereas like with Fantastic Beasts like you have new characters. Yeah, it's pretty right. much a clean break. Um but like the second like another point that I like, came up with like I said diversity and like racial erasure. I knew the minute that I saw the trailer. I mean, I guess even before the trailer because like when you read the books you don't really see um a lot of character I mean, you do see characters of color in the periphery in the books, but they are given very like minor roles, so like I knew that like that like f- like from my like past experience like reading the books, it's like okay like I might it it might be a long shot to see uh, people of color acting in major roles in this movie, and I was actually surprised that like the Madam President in Fantastic Beasts was uh was like a woman of color, mm-hmm. but at the same time like her like racial background had nothing to do with her character it was kind of like colorblind casting it didn't there was no nuance to it and i was really upset about that <laughs> i wonder if that's because it does so fantastic beast is historical fiction mm-hmm. right it takes place in fake 19 i want to say 20s new york 20s. post-world war one pre-world war two mm-hmm. and that was a time when yeah like you wouldn't have african-americans in positions of power yeah it's like a good 40 years before the Civil Rights Act, right? I just thought it was weird because it was like, like the movie obviously borrows from like real history of like civil rights movement mm-hmm. and uh, and just like uh, equality, but 
you don't really see that translate mm-hmm. into like racial backgrounds in like the wizarding world and i'm and, and i'm a little bit curious on how that works you know i wonder how racism works in the wizarding because they're not yeah they're not racist based on like the color of your skin mm-hmm. right um because they do have like i guess african wizards in like the the council meeting or something right yeah um but it's based on whether or not you're magical which is like but at also the same racism? time, but but at the same time, I would expect some nuances, you know, because they they do have to like hide from Muggles. They are still part of like the Muggle universe, yeah. you yeah. know. So it's like, how do you deal with that? Like, yeah, it's it's not the traditional society. So you would say like, perhaps there's space there for for you know anyone of of color or anyone who is like kind of like in a lower position in society to to kind of like rise up in that society specifically. I do agree though that it is something that's glossed over that could have used some more fleshing out. Yeah. Right? She's seen as this obviously person who's respected and in power, but those of, you know, those those of us who I guess pay attention to the setting and what does these cultural implications should would have been at the time um, there is more to the story there that isn't um, yeah. explored. Same thing right. with the um, main supporting character, Tina, who, mm-hmm. the Aura who you know got fired and who's helping out Newt Scamander. She's Jewish, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that has nothing to do with your character. Like, like they repeat your last name over and over again, but like I don't, like I don't really see how that like translates into her like going undercover as a Muggle sometimes. You know, like, I mm-hmm. I mean, this is before World War II, before, like, the Holocaust and everything, but there was still, like, this, um, there was still, like, this racial tension, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, people were, like, like immigrants were treated terribly. Yeah, so it's just, like, why do I not see that? And also, also <laughs> it's, like, the 1920s, like, jazz age, like... Prohibition where, era, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, where, like, I was really upset when I saw a black house elf like singing as like a jazz singer and i'm like you couldn't <laughs> hire like just like a black actress to just play that role so the the picture that's forming here is um just a lot of missed shots lots, for this yeah, lots of, of missed shots um especially for uh, uh i mean going back to the original series like i remember i think it was goblet of fire the the one that um dan said that was his favorite harry potter um, that had like the introduction of Cho Chang, which I remember at the time for like the Asian American community was like a big deal. It was deal. a big deal. It was a Corlegan mm-hmm. cast. I remember because like even though I didn't read Harry Potter, um, enough people were excited about Harry Potter's Asian girlfriend. Right, that was the big that was the big yeah. thing, and mm-hmm. you know, who was going to play her. There was this big casting call, right? I remember there was like yeah. an open casting call to find. Well, there was an open casting call for all of the Harry Potter mm. actors because they are child, like child right, actors, right. teen actors. Um, I remember when I first came across Cho Chang in the books, like you would, like I, I thought I would be happy to see someone who looks like me in the series that I love in mm. this world that I really. Um, really hold dear to my heart but I, I like I really really hated Cho Chang when I was reading the books like as like a 13 14 year old I was like it's just like oh of course like like some like I was like first first off I was like Cho Chang like what kind of name is that like mm-hmm. 
is she Chinese? Like, is she like, like I was trying to like do the, um, I was just like, okay, well, she's, is she from like Ireland? Is she from like Scotland? She's from Europe. So like what ethnicity, what Asian ethnicity would she be? And I remember doing this, like doing all of these hoops being like, okay, well, let's say she's Chinese British. Okay. Um, why is her name Cho Chang? Also, she is sorted into Ravenclaw, the smart, like the the mm-hmm. smart house. Like, isn't that just kind of fitting her into model minority? <laughs> and then, and then, like the thought of like, and, and with like Harry having a crush on her, I, I guess like a lot of my white friends at the time they thought like it's like oh it's because she's pretty. But then I also had like the thought of oh does he like her because she is quote-unquote exotic looking because um there is this trope of having like 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 having like a like like making asian women asian girls like desirable and like kind of like exotic and sexy and i'm like okay well does he like her for those reasons and i was only 13 years old at the time and i still had those thoughts and with the movie i wasn't really happy with that either (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like you just have a problem with the way that the film harry potter well that was when the book came out that was that that was when the book came out i was like when i was reading the book i was just like "Uh." the only the only saving grace for me when it came to cho chang i was like oh she's athletic okay she's part of the quidditch team like that (laughs) that is like okay she doesn't fit into all of the stereotypes but Mm -hmm. that's interesting i mean as someone who didn't follow the series like no word for word Mm-hmm. For me, it was more. That's awesome that there is another chance to get represented. I think. I think with like the character of Cho Chang, at least there was like a lot of like baggage from the community being like, oh, like like oh, my model minority, and also like she's she's not like this kick ass female, but at the same time she's like a minor character. You can't really like expect yeah. her to be that outstanding. Um, and she's not the only Asian character in the Harry Potter series. You have like the Patil twins, uh, ones in Gryffindor and ones in Ravenclaw. And for all I like, for all I remember, like I, um, I don't remember them fitting into stereotypes really. Or maybe I just maybe I have to read it again. I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, f- from the movie watcher perspective, you saw that these there's. Indian twins, and you saw that you know there was Cho Chang. Yeah, but you see them; they're like in the peripheries. Mm-hmm. They yeah. kind of like fill up. They're the part background. of like the. They're part of the cast of background characters that you see. Yeah, actually, ironically, like I think I was really upset about the Patil twins in the movies because in Goblet of Fire, the fourth movie, um, you see the, you see them all dressed up in their in their gowns, and the Patil twins are in like uh, saris and mm-hmm. like traditional Indian clothes. And, um, I remember I was watching that movie with like my Indian friend and she said, oh my God, like they're, they're dressed in like servant colors. Hmm. And I was like, oh my God, that's like not okay. <laughs> and I went like, why? I don't know. It just. Yeah. So I guess it comes down to, and it's another reason why, you know, diverse, like we need diverse stories and books because as well-intentioned as I'm sure J.K. Rowling had for including, you know, um, characters that look like the world we, we we live in. And, you know, props, I mean, props or props is due. Like, 1980s to 90s, UK was probably as diverse as, or more diverse than she, she was showing, you know. 
Yeah. We still have the problem of including diversity, but not really doing the legwork. Just making like bit parts. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the characters are there. The characterizations mm-hmm. aren't exactly where they should be. Even for like bit characters, you know, whoever was doing the costuming there yeah. should have known. Right? They should have known. Yeah. You know? um, and that's something that you w- won't you won't notice unless you have that cultural kind of background or that cultural yeah. knowledge, right? Yeah. And it's the same thing with, uh, like, when she came up with, like, oh, like, these are all the magical schools in the world. And I read the one about, like, the magic school in the the wizarding school in Japan. <laughs> I think I, I think I was so mad that I just, like, kind of shut my computer down. And I'm just like, I'm going to go lie down and just pretend. Wait, what was, what was wrong happened. with that? I didn't read that. Um, or what, was the, what were the issues? Oh, my God. So many issues. Okay. So it's like, like the 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 japanese magic school like one of the first facts that you learn is that oh the japanese wizards they uh if, if you have a a wand made of cherry tree wood you're like highly respected among your peers and i was like that's just really weird okay um but also like i think it was the sakura just, is very i don't know oh god no <laughs> But like it, it just seemed really. Um, was it very like kitschy? Like very like very. Oh, you learn Asian culture through watching. Yeah, Kung Fu films yeah, it was yeah because like Bell. the the castle that they that she described um, the school to be. It was like it's like oh the walls are made out of jade and like <laughs> and like the roof is like golden and almost like oh my god. Did they explain stop. the four schools? <laughs> was was it the four gods like the four animal? I don't think she went that far, uh, but. I think that's more of the legwork thing that you're talking about. That maybe that would have made it better. Well, I mean, there's the thing. Like, so, like you said, like your your issue, issues with Cho Chang wasn't that oh she's just an Asian character. It was, you didn't know what she was, yeah. right? Like, even if it's to cover your bases, like the author should have had a couple sentences talking about where Cho Chang came from. You know, basically, like Asian is not. You can't just say this person Asian, right? And right? I expect that to be the characterization. And that'd be the end yeah. of it. I mean, same thing with like, like you don't really know much about like immigration in like the wizarding community or just like, oh, like, like can like Chinese wizards <laughs> like immigrate to the UK? Like is, are, are there like different like magical, um, like jurisdictions juridic- or district yeah. lines? And I, I think it's, it comes down to for a, for an author that spends so much time crafting the world and the reasons things exist and histories like there's this whole idea that this has been a world that has existed alongside the human mm-hmm. world for since the beginning of time yeah you know so the fact that even these small details like there's certain small like small but obvious details that aren't fleshed out is kind of sucky Especially when it comes to representation and diversity. Yeah. I mean, right. I think I think with like the original Harry Potter series, like it's it's very very well done the world building, but like with like Magical America, like the yeah. stuff that she wrote about the American Wizarding School, like that was not okay. That was like borrowing from Native American culture <laughs> and like not in a very good way, and like it it was just pure appropriation. <laughs> I mean, hearing what you said about the Japanese Wizarding School, yeah. it kind of feels like all the non English, non-European yeah, schools, ones. we're kind of half like, 
But at the same time, like I can un- like I can be a little bit more forgiving on that because she had like years of like research for Hogwarts yeah. and like magical England. And whereas she lives like there. with with whereas like with these worlds, like uh, it was probably like people bugging her for like months to write like come up with something. Yeah. And bring it back to Harry Potter as a cultural. My touch points with Harry Potter is like you know oh big budget movies like spectacles right. But also, I, I do remember the the hype around Cho Chang, right? Yeah. That there's going to be an Asian character in Harry Potter, this big movie, even though it's just for one movie, and she becomes a, a even more of a background character after that. Um, I remember, I remember it was that was a that was a big moment, right? Yeah, because I don't think at that time you saw a lot of teen Asian actors who spoke fluent english whether it was american accent (laughs) or british accent but it was like it was a big deal um because it's just like oh like finally someone who like isn't going to speak with a broken accent (laughs) (laughs) so um i guess to wrap it up in terms of why we need more diverse stories and not just like not just including diverse characters but having like even if they're side characters or background characters to not just leave it at that right yeah um, because there will be people asking questions like if you want diverse fans you're gonna need to kind of treat them all as important <laughs> i'm not gonna be counting on fantastic beasts to bring on my diverse magical people because there are plenty of asian american writers and no there, there are plenty of Asian American writers, black writers, and Latino writers who are writing fantasy, and they are featuring people of color as mm-hmm. their protagonists. So I'm like, yes, more magical people. <laughs> and like, I, I would like to think that some of them were inspired by Harry Potter. They read it when they were young, and it yeah. inspired them to write. I mean, I was inspired to write when I read Harry Potter, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, maybe we will see. <laughs> so yeah, um... That was our discussion, Harry Potter. Thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us, Dan. Thanks for leaving thanks for it. having me. Rira. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that will do it for this mid month episode of Books and Boba. Thanks again for listening and joining in. If you have any thoughts about Harry Potter, um, its impact on your, I guess, social or cultural consciousness, or just think I'm a bad person for never reading any of the books, never planning on reading of the books, never planning. No, I, whoa! That's, there's like a billion pages. You Life is long. Read the first book. I've seen the movies. The first book <laughs> is like 200 pages. You can finish it. I need to finish the our book next the, book. <laughs> you have to finish uh, this month's book. Yeah. Have you um, started this month's book? Again, is how to live safely in a science fictional universe by Charles Yu. Uh, we'll be dis- discussing that at the end of the month. Um, I read the first page oh no it's, i feel like it's an important book <laughs> because less than a week to finish i've been feeling like we've been living more and more in a science fictional universe so i need to know how to be safe so i'm looking forward so to we our got discussion the book for you yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah no i'm on it you know me i binge so read responsibly thanks again for listening and uh, we'll see you all next time This episode of Books and Boba was hosted by Marvin Yue, Rira Yu, and Dan Rickmers, and produced and edited by Marvin Yue. 
For further discussion on the books covered at Books and Boba, please visit our Goodreads forum. You can find the link on our Facebook page at Books and Boba, as well as by searching for the group Books and Boba on Goodreads.com. Books and Boba is also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a brand new collective of Asian American podcasts and podcasters. You can learn more about the collective as well as check out our founding slate of programs by visiting the website www.podcastpotluck.com. Potluck. Potluck.